I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Nobody wins unless everybody wins. This is your time. We're in this game. As they say in hockey, let's do that hockey. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Line Change, the NHL betting podcast from the Action Network. My name is Michael Lieboff. Joining me is my co-host, Nicholas Martin. And today we have a special guest, Pete Jensen of NHL.com and the Fantasy on Ice podcast to help us pick out some awards winners, some uh, awards bets we like going from the call their trophy, which was given a rookie of the year, Jack Adams trophy. That's our personal favorite on this show. That's coach of the year, Norris trophy for best defenseman, Vezina trophy for best goaltender, Rocket Richard, most goals, and then the Hart trophy league MVP. And we're going to start with the young guys. We're going to start with the rookies. Uh, Owen power is the, uh, excuse me, Mason McTavish is the favorite here. Owen power right behind him though. Uh, Odds makers once again are, they're pricing this like a two horse race between the two of them. I like some players down the board, but Nick, you're doing a little shopping at the top. Yeah. I'm pretty high on Owen power entering this season. We saw at the end of last year, just how good he is at the NHL level. And a huge part with this award is the opportunity. We need players like a big part of it. You're banking on a guy getting in the lineup, getting consistent minutes. And I think the chances that Owen power that would, we basically know he's going to play a huge role with the Sabres this season. And he has the talent to be dominant. So yeah, I think we've got a slam dunk with Owen Power at the top of the board. Yeah, he's he's around four and a half to one plus four fifty. We just saw a defenseman win the Calder Trophy last year. Uh, that was Mort Sider at twelve to one. So not out of the question. Uh, and staying with that team, I like JJ Paterka. He's fifty to one, five zero to one. The Sabers love him. He put up eighty points in eighty games in the AHL. That's including the playoffs last year as a twenty year old. Uh, and like Nick said, like the Sabers are, they're totally okay with with playing these young guys. So. The fact that Power and Jack Quinn are on this team, that's kind of sucking up a lot of the the value, I guess, uh, when you're looking at Calder odds on the Sabres. So I went into this thinking whoever's going to be the longest of those three was the one I was going to play. And I was happy that it was Paterka. I think 50 to one uh, is a great number on him. Pete, uh, what are your thoughts here on, on the Calder trophy, on Power, on Paterka? Anybody else you think could sneak this thing? Well, I'll mention one other Sabre that you kind of mentioned. Jack Quinn uh, was AHL Rookie of the Year last season, and I'm interested to see where he could slot in too. And very quietly, I think the Sabres are kind of a sneaky little sleeper team out there, whether it's the awards market or fantasy or you know any other futures things. Nobody's picking them to make the playoffs right now, but they might have one of the sneakiest best young cores in the whole league, right? From like a keeper league standpoint and a, you know, just 25 and under standpoint, it's crazy. The, the youth that this team has assembled. So don't sleep on Buffalo in any format. And any of those guys, I think has a nice case. Our fantasy rookie rankings are led by Maddie Beneers from the Kraken. So I wanted to just mention him 
because I'm really high on him. He had nine points in 10 games last year uh, in his NHL trial. He is potentially going to be playing with one or both of their offseason acquisitions, whether he's on the first line or the second line, right? They have Andre Burakovsky and Oliver Bjorkstrand, both coming off career seasons, and both are going to be in top flight roles. I think they should be. I would love to see the three of them together. And if the three of them are together, guys, I think that he could eclipse 60 points like maybe McTavish can, and it could maybe be a two-horse race between those two forwards. Yeah, Beniers, uh, he's the third favorite uh, just ahead of uh, Kent Johnson. Another player I want to throw out here, uh, this one is a bigger long shot than Paterka, and it comes down to one thing. Dylan Holloway is 75-1. to 1. He's less of a guarantee for that opportunity that Nick was talking about. We don't know if he's going to even crack the opening day roster. But if he does, that roster includes Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. And they're not, if he does make the team, they're probably not just going to want to bury him in a, in a bottom six role. He could end up playing with McDavid or Dreisaitl. And if it clicks, he stays there. And so it's it's almost worth just putting a little bit of money on Holloway just to find out if he does develop some chemistry with one of the two best players in the world. Any sense in, in the strategy of, of targeting Holloway? Yeah, totally. I can I can see where you're coming from. Uh, the one, I, I completely like the logic. You know, if he gets the big uh, role with McDavid or Drysdale, he's going to put up points. The one concern that I would say I have is that I actually think I could see them using him as a three uh, third line center, which who knows? And I, I obviously lines shuffle. So at some point he's probably going to get a chance regardless to make things click with, with one of the big guys. But I just think that would be the one concern I would have with that logic. And Pete, before we move on to Jack Adams award, uh, any sleepers here you want to touch on? So a top five of our fantasy rookie rankings, I mentioned Beneers and McTavish and Owen Power, uh, the fourth and fifth guys on our list. Again, it's for fantasy, but it, it translates. I think it has good crossover. So Jake Sanderson would not be surprised at all if he scores more points than Owen Power this season because he's on that Senators offense that got loaded. Even if he's on the second power play, he's going to be playing with guys like Drake Path- Batherson or – you know, maybe Norris, if, if it's more of a Giroux, Debrinket, Brady Kachuk, first power play with Shabbat. If Shabbat gets injured like he has in recent years, right, he'll be up, up, up top on one of the best power plays in the league, maybe at least one of the most improved units that I think could be a top 10 unit this year with an even higher ceiling. So Jake Sanderson, we were hoping for like a little bit of a trial from him last year, but he was dealing with that injury after he came over from college. But the Sens are loaded offensively, and I think Sanderson's going to put up a lot of points. And then the fifth guy on our list is Logan Thompson, because like you guys said, opportunity. Sometimes opportunity, right? Uh, Owen Power, number two defenseman for the Sabres. Sanderson, number two defenseman for the Senators. Matty Beneers, maybe he's more of a second-line center. McTavish, maybe he's more of a second-line left wing. And then all of a sudden, you look at the potential starting goalie for the Vegas Golden Knights, who, if they're healthy, I think we all expect them to, at the very least, be a fringe playoff team. So that could mean, right, a near, not a guarantee, but a really good chance at 25 to 30 wins for Logan Thompson if he's the 1A or the clear starter because Robin Leonard's out for the whole season. Yeah, and, and just to piggyback that, Pete, I did have Sanderson circled as my second favorite Calder pick. Uh, he can be had at about 25 to one. And I think that's really strong. I'm with you. He could easily end up there. 
their number two defenseman on a team that could score a lot more goals this season. So yeah, I, I totally think the upside is there for Sanderson this year. And Nick, uh, you and I, we've talked about Logan Thompson. We'll talk about him a little later in the show too. The number's probably just a little too short in this market to like fully be into it, but I could listen to anybody talk about the the logic of he's got one of the best paths to success, I think, in in this market in uh to win the award. Uh whether or not, you know, you want to put so much weight into what we saw out of him last year, because it was a pretty small sample size. That's another argument you can listen to as well, but you're pretty high on him. Yeah, totally. I'm high on on Thompson for sure. I mean, we've we've touched on it, but how many goalies are you really thinking are rock solid heading into this year. It's a pretty short list of starters where we're pretty much, you know, they're going to be a high quality option and it is a small sample, but I think Thompson, what he showed at the end of last year is so strong that yes, same thing. A lot of upside there for, for Vegas. And I think Vegas are a, a great bounce back target this season. All right, let's move to the Jack Adams trophy uh, on this show last year. We talked a lot about, Daryl Sutter at 50 to one. He ended up cashing. This is my favorite market to play in the preseason in preseason for NHL because bookmakers just don't really pay attention, right? Like we, we know that with the NHL, it's not going to be, this isn't the NFL. This isn't college football. This isn't the NBA. So you can find some, some big numbers that correlate to much smaller odds in other markets. Uh, for example, the, the Sutter bet was you getting 50 to one on whether or not you thought the flames were going to go over their point total or, or win their division or whatever, which would have been probably like eight to one, 12 to one last year. So you're getting five times the odds and they end up cashing for this market. I think the narrative this year is going to be, well, there's going to be two. The favorite is John Cooper. He's 10 to one. He's never won it. So I think if the lightning come back and like have another great regular season, it's going to be hard to beat him because that point was drilled home when the ballot was released or the, the nominees were released and he wasn't on it. I don't like the number at 10 to one. I won't be betting it, but I do like two guys in his division, Derek Lalonde, his former assistant. He's now coaching the Red Wings and DJ Smith. He's 50 to one coaching the senators. The reason I like both these guys is these are two teams that have been out of the playoff picture near the bottom of the division for half a decade. Now there's a lot of good feelings around the team. The media seems to love the Senators hype. The media loves the Red Wings becoming relevant again. The Red Wings are plus 290 to make the playoffs. The Senators are plus 200. I think those numbers are probably a little short for both of them. But if they make the playoffs, either one of these guys, they're going to be one of the three nominees. So DJ Smith of the Senators at 50 to 1, Milan 50 to 1. That's where I'm looking. Those are two of my favorite bets, preseason bets on the entire betting board going into the season. Nick, what do you have for Jack Adams? So I would still, your two are my top two, for sure. I see it the same way in those 51 prices are just so strong. All we need to see is one of those teams turn it around heavily, which is really realistic with where their rosters are, are getting to. So I think those are the top two. And then kind of a less of a long shot for the team to be good, I think, is Vegas and Bruce Cassidy. He can be had at 18 to one to take this, or to take the Jack Adams. And I think it's really likely we see Vegas with a big turnaround this year. Everyone knows it got pretty ugly last season, but he's still inheriting a pretty good situation. And on top of that, like, I just think he's a really good coach. We've, we've seen it with Boston. That team's always really structured. They're, they're played great as a team. So I think there's a pretty good chance he takes over Vegas with way, le way less injuries are going to be a far stronger roster this year. And I think that just could fuel a narrative of a bounce back that we want but yeah, I would, I would put that in third behind year two because that 50 to one price on those guys is just so strong. 
Yeah, the two other guys I think I have a little bit of interest in, and these are shorter numbers, so I, I don't know if I'll get there. Jim Montgomery, who's replacing Cassidy in Boston, he had that Dallas Stars team playing really well before he ended up in rehab for addiction issues. And and Lane Lambert at 20 to 1. I think if the Islanders make the playoffs, he, there's a strong chance he's at least considered uh, coming off the season they had last year and the fact that, that he's a rookie coach. Those two are not even close to the amount I like uh, Smith and Lalonde. But if you are looking for something in that 20 to 1 range, those would be the two I like. I do like the Cassidy shout as well. Uh, Pete, what do you have for Jack Adams? So I am with you both on the, you know, the Ottawa Senators and the Detroit Red Wings, because I think that one of those two teams is going to make the jump and make the playoffs. I'm not quite sure which one, but I think there's a really good case for each of them together to maybe surprise a team like Boston with all their injuries, or maybe surprise even a team like Toronto, which is a little more bold, but their goaltending tandem gives them a little bit lower of a floor. So again, I think they're within striking distance. They've closed the gap. They're going to be really exciting and good offenses. I'm interested in Rick bonus, what he's going to do with the Winnipeg jets. Cause I think one year or another, right. All of us and all our guests on our fantasy on ice podcast, like, have been high on the Jets at one year or another for good reason. Last year, they dealt with a lot of injuries. Some of the usage wasn't what it should have been. They played with two different coaches. Maurice resigned, the whole thing. I think Bonus is a really good coach. He turned Dallas around. He maximized their young players with Jason Robertson and Rupe Hintz the past couple of years. Interested what he could do with the Cole Perfetti. If Cole Perfetti, that's a guy we didn't mention for the Calder, but if he could get a 25-30 goal season from Cole Perfetti, if he's playing with either Dubois or Mark Scheifele, like that's some nice sneaky upside there as well. So I wanted to mention that. But again, the Jets were kind of like a wreck last year, right? Because um, Scheifele at the end of the year like was talking about not being content with the losing. And now this year, they've already stripped the captaincy from Blake Wheeler. If Rick Bonus gets that ship on track, it could be really fun to watch. They could be a playoff team and very dangerous. I was looking in training camp, guys, and their top line was Kyle Connor, Mark Shifley, and Nikolai Ehlers. That has to be one of my favorite line trios that I've seen so far in training camp. Bonus is great. I think he's not the right coach for like 28 teams in the league, but the Jets are one of the four teams I think he's the right coach for. He's 35 to 1, and, and I think, once again, you're looking at a situation where the Jets make the playoffs, which is you're going to get you know north of or around two to one odds on. He's going to be considered. So that's really the point with the Jack Adams is this award is very highly correlated with like the surprise team that makes the playoffs or if like a team just runs away. It almost behooves you to just make sure you double check. Like if you think the Red Wings are going to make the playoffs and you want to bet that number, just bet Lalonde. If you think the Jets are going to make the playoffs, you might as well just you know split your stake maybe and, and bet part of it on, on them to make the playoffs and part on bonus. And that's just something always keep in mind with, with these coach of the year odds in the NHL. And we'll, we'll be talking about these throughout the season on line change, Nick and I, uh, cause Nick can tell you about how he kind of caught the book sleeping on, on Sutter last season. Yeah, totally. So at various times last season, the updating of those odds was just really far behind what we were seeing. So it was a couple of weeks into the year and they still had 51 to one. I don't, I can't remember the exact date. It's on my Twitter, but way past when it should have been updated to a lower number. And then there was a point in February where they still had Sutter hanging around at a near 20 to one number, maybe 15 to one. And it, by then it was really obvious that he was going to be at least nominated. 
so yeah, that'll definitely be one we'll be watching, hoping the books aren't updating as, as often as maybe they should. Another example of that was when the Canucks fired Travis Green and hired Bruce Boudreaux, he was hanging at like 66 to one or the close to 80 to one for a long time. And it was clear he got that team back on track. He didn't end up getting nominated, but had they made the playoffs, he would. Uh, and Pete, you think uh, Boudreaux might be worth a sprinkle again this year? I do. I think that if there was more runway last year, they might have snuck into the playoffs on the back of Thatcher Demko largely. But And the defense is still a little shaky there, but the forward group is loaded. They added Andre Kuzmenko from the KHL. Pod Colson is a guy that I think in the next year or two is going to pop off. Uh, they re-signed JT Miller. They still have one of the best 24 and under cores in the league with guys like Pedersen and Quinn Hughes and Brock Besser re-signed and just really good young group of players that I think started to hit their stride again and started to look more like the team that they did in the playoffs. What was it like three years ago? Right. So give them a full season under Bruce Boudreaux has won the coach of the year trophy before, which is significant. I think Tortorella won it twice when he won it a few years back. And that's not a bad storyline to think about too. If it's a familiar face, People are voting on these awards, right? It's a guy that I think a lot of people are fond of around the league for yep. what he's done with multiple different teams over the years. All right, let's move back to the ice. From the bench to the ice, we'll talk about the Norris Trophy, best defenseman. This one, it does feel a little tricky because there's one defenseman in the league and he's priced this way that is just in a tier by himself. That's Kale McCarr. So you're almost betting, like it's almost a two-part thing. Like you're betting, will McCarr stay healthy? Will he play like the requisite number of games, which might be 60 for him because of how good and impactful he can be in those 60 games. Uh, and then you're also picking the guy that if he, if he does leave the door open, whether it's poor form, which is very unlikely, or, or health that can come in. So for me, I'm going to shop really deep for this. But uh, Nick, you'd think even as the chalk, it's McCarr or nothing. Yeah, I think so. It depends what site you look on, but right now McCarr is still available at plus 155. And I think we have easy odds there to make a play. And one thing I think that is a really important note heading into this. So what Roman Yossi did last season was unreal. He had such a spectacular season. The chances we see someone, a defender put together that kind of year this year, I think are low and McCarr still beat him. And that McCarr is now heading a year closer to his true prime. If anything, he could build on last year, I think. So I think taking him as the chalk is very reasonable. It's it's going to be really hard for any defender to compete with McCarr this year, I think. Yeah, because of that, you need to take a shot on a long shot or nothing. The one I settled on was Noah Hannafin. He's 300 to one, which actually might even be a little short for his true odds, but he was part of the best five on five defense last season. 10 goals, 38 assists for a Flames team that should be as good or better than they were last year. He should get the top pair minutes. He'll see a little play, uh, power play time and like 48 points. He'd have to build on it, but he, I trust that he can. And if he does, and the Flames are as good defensively as they were last year, do I think he's going to win? No, but he's like the one name in the deep, deep part of the board that I like here. Pete, any thoughts here on the Norris Trophy? I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. 
Listen to the deal. Listen to the deal on Spotify. Right. So the top four defensemen on my list and top four in our fantasy rankings are four of the past five winners. It's Makar, it's Yossi, Adam Fox, Victor Hedman. Um, if I was going to go a little more bold and piggyback off the, some of the things you were saying about Derek Lalonde with the Red Wings, I'm really, really excited to see in the next couple of years what Mo Sider's ceiling is going to be. If this guy puts up, you know, 65, 70 points and has astounding category coverage like he did in his rookie year, and then the team gets better too, and he's kind of a workhorse for the Red Wings, I feel like his ceiling could be really, really high. It might not be this year, but it might be two or three years from now that he wins the award most cider. So I'm really excited about him. That's probably, and I agree with what you were saying, Mike, about how it's like, you know, some of the long shots, it's like, yeah, you can find some appeal, but um, would it actually ever even happen? I mean, Roman Yossi scored 96 (laughs) points last year and didn't win it. What more could he have possibly done? He had the most points by a defenseman since 1992-93 in a single season, and he didn't win the award. So McCarr is definitely leading the pack, but Mo Sider is somebody that I have my eye on for a super high ceiling in the years to come. Yeah, he's hanging around like 30 to 1 to win the award this year. I think Sider, he was, you know, when you're scrolling through the odds and these things, you kind of do like quick stops as you're scrolling down. And Sider was definitely one that I that I did a quick stop on. So there's definitely merit to, to backing him at, at a pretty good number. The Vezina, though, even though Shesterkin, Igor Shesterkin, who he was 20 to 1 last year um, and won it, and it does feel like, it's his award to lose or Vasilevsky. You can throw in there. It's, it's really a two horse race. That's going to be the narrative. We know what goaltending's like. We know goaltending is very fickle and it's impossible to project. So this one is Shesterkin was outrageously good last year. People are expecting him to be just as good this year. He's still in his prime. Same with Vasilevsky. You know, uh, then you got Sorokin kind of emerging with the Islanders, but we just, it's so hard to project goaltending. So it does behoove you to really take a look at, at the entire field here and not just, not just focus on the favorites. Cause it's, as we've seen over the years, like some favorites win, sometimes they don't. And, and we could see guys come out of nowhere uh, to win this thing. I- I'm going to start with two guys. I like Spencer Knight as a, a real flyer at 150 to one. If the Panthers are good, it's, I think it'll be correlated to Knight playing a lot. I think he, he, played better than Bob down the stretch. I didn't think Bob was bad, but I think at this point in the career, you just have to hand the keys to Spencer Knight. Uh, he's he's the, the young goalie with pedigree, and he was he was really strong down the stretch. A 917 save percentage, five and a half goals saved above expected over his last 15 appearances. And like I said, if the Panthers are good, it'll be because of him, and he will get some some love. Uh, he Will he get the opportunity? That's the question, and that's why his odds are so long. Uh, but this is probably the last time you'll see Spencer Knight in triple digits for the Vezina and another young goalie. I like Jeremy Swayman. He's 50 to one, five, zero to one. He was up and down last year, but I think his peaks were better than his valleys. I would have preferred to see like a little bit of a stronger performance from him down the stretch, but he's just a goalie. I'm I'm a bit high on. I was very high on him last year. I bet him to win the Calder. Uh, That obviously didn't come through, but he did look live, like a little live for a little bit there. So on a great defensive team like Boston, who make life so easy on their goaltenders, I think Swayman at 50 to one have legs. So those are my two, Spencer Knight and Swayman. And it's, you don't have to look far to find a goalie that doesn't have that much of a track record in the NHL to win this thing. Shesterkin won uh, in his second full season about. So I like these guys. I think there's value here. Nick, 
what do you have? I don't really have a lot on this one. I completely agree with you. This is a market where taking the chalk scares me quite a bit with goalies. We see them so up and down. And I think if you want to go with the obvious candidates, there's some better options on other awards. I think maybe depending on how long the number you can get, Logan Thompson is a guy I'll be watching as, as more books get their lines up. But outside of that, yeah, I'm not really seeing much with this market. And Pete, any players here that you think can, can come and steal this thing from, from Igor or Vasilevsky? I think there's a glimmer on UC Soros. I do think there's an opportunity for the Predators to be the second best team in the Central Division. It's a weaker than usual Central. Um, teams like Dallas have their issues. Winnipeg have their issues. St. Louis lost David Perron and Billy Huso. Minnesota lost Kevin Fiala and Cam Talbot. So, and Nashville only got stronger, right? They added uh, Ryan McDonough. McDonough is going to help uh, defensively in front of Saros, no question. Nino Niederreiter for their middle six. So I think Nashville got stronger when everybody else in the division, including Colorado, got weaker. And remember, Colorado swept Nashville last year when Saros was injured and didn't play in the whole series. So um, you can make the argument right up there with Shesterkin that Saros is the most valuable goaltender to his team. I think there's also an argument for that conversation for Sorokin and Thatcher Demko. That's the trend I like for the Vezina this year, which guy could carry his team on his back, maybe even more so than Saros. If the Islanders are making the playoffs this year, I think Sorokin's going to be like just as good as Shesterkin. I think he's capable of something like that. And maybe even more so Demko, like because Demko might really need to carry that team with a still pretty weak defense in front of him. So outside of the obvious names like Shesterkin and Vasilevsky, those are some of the other guys that round out my top five. Yeah, we'll talk about Demko and, and Sorokin a little in a little bit. Uh, but from the goalies, we'll go to the guys trying to score on them. The Rocket Richard trophy for most goals uh, in the season. Austin Matthews was a, a runaway winner with this one. 60 goals in an absolute blinding season from the Maple Leaf star. He is obviously the clear favorite in this market. It's hard to make a case to go against him. And even if you are, then you've got to beat, if you're going to do shopping down the board, you got to beat guys like David and Dreisaitl and Kyle Connor. Even like, like it, it's just in McKinnon, like it's really tough group to beat. The one long shot that I could see myself making a case for, and, and, and I don't love it, is, is Evander Kane at 66 to 1. And that's just because he, he's going to play with McDavid. You know, who knows? Like he, he scored 22 goals in 43 games last year. So if you double that, then plus maybe add a few because he missed half the season and he could threaten 50 goals. So he's the one kind of long shot I like at 66. Nick, you have a few, though, including making a case for, for Matthews. Yeah. So to start, to go back to the chalk, I think Matthews, he can be had at plus 230, and that's just a great pick. I don't think anyone else in the world's close to his ability to score goals. Uh, we saw last season he only played 73 games, and he still beat Dreisaitl by five in this race, who played 80 games and obviously had a really strong year as well. So I think this is basically one. We're betting on how many games Matthews is going to play, which is a little more concerning than some with his injury history. But that said, you can make another case for him that last year he came into camp with an injured wrist. He came into the season late and he played through that. And now all indications are coming out of their camp that he looks amazing, which we know where you always hear that about the top guys. It's like the football best shape of my life comment. But it does really sound like Matthews is ready to go this year. And I think that's that's pretty scary considering how dominant his scoring has been. 
So yeah, I think Matthews has a really, really strong case there. And then after that, I'd kind of go into the longer shots, basically, you know, seeing if some of those top guys fall out. I agree with you on Kane 66 to one. I think that's pretty strong. Same kind of case. I think Patrick Line at 70 to one is a strong bet. He's just a pure goal scorer as well. Just like with Matthews, we can see his ability to finish is I think so far beyond some of the guys who are priced above him. And he had that stretch last year where he was putting up almost a goal per game. Obviously consistency has been an issue with him, but maybe with Johnny Goudreau on the fold. And if the power plays a little more solid, he is a little more consistent and hangs around in that race full time. And then one name I'll throw out there just because it's the same kind of one with you. I don't really think, and he's more a guy I'd love to get involved with fantasy wise. And maybe if you can get just a regular season goal total, but I think Brock Besser is one of my favorite candidates to bounce back this season. I love him as a player and he went through a lot last year with his, his dad passing away. And it seemed like, you know, as down the stretch, he, he was working better with Boudreaux. And I think he's just a guy with his skill set coming into the season with a better, with a bit of a clear mind. I think he's really going to pop. And that kind of, uh, you know, bleeds it to what Pete was talking about with Boudreaux and, and this, this Canucks offense that he's going to have facilitators. He's got a lot of talent around him and Besser is a finisher. So at 401, like, I think it's, it's a good case. Pete, what do you think here for Rocket Richard? Well, wanted to react off Nick's pick of line A. I think that's a great um, forward thinking move because they got Johnny Gaudreau. He's going to be the recipient of all those cross-ice passes, right? Johnny Hockey led the NHL in even strength points last season. And line A, if they play together, is going to be a big-time beneficiary. So, uh, And he's, his ceiling has been high before in the goals category. So uh, exciting uh, development for line A for sure. Leon Dreisaitl. Remember, Leon Dreisaitl always gets overshadowed by McDavid, but he's also always among the top three in goals in the whole league. And this is not like those other uh, categories, right, where it's up for debate. It only comes down to who stays healthy. Dreisaitl's always healthy, and he's always, like, scoring among the league leaders in goals. So one injury to a, a Matthews or an Ovechkin, and Dreisaitl could just – by default, lead the league in goals. I think he's capable of something like that. So keep an eye on him. And then, uh, you know, similar to what Nick said about, you know, this guy's not going to lead the league in goals most likely, but does he have a high ceiling of 40, 45 goals? I think he does. I just wanted to mention Jacob Vrana with the new coach, Lalonde, and the trajectory of the Red Wings. If he plays more often with an elite point producer like Dylan Larkin, if he finally gets that first power play crack, it's someone to keep an eye on as like a full-fledged breakout goal scorer. Jacob Vrana was top five in the NHL last season. Uh, didn't play that much, but top five in five-on-five five goals per 60. So like uh, he's ready to, you know, he's untapped and ready to be unleashed, I think. Yeah, Verana, uh, and I think Besser, as Nick was saying, like even Kane, like those, those are, they're probably just better investing, better off investing in them on fantasy. Uh, and yeah. if you want to hear more about that, of course, you can listen to Pete on Fantasy on Ice. Uh, and he and I were part of a group that did a uh, fantasy mock draft. You can find that on the Fantasy on Ice YouTube channel or is at the NHL.com YouTube channel, but we'll be tweeting it out. So from there, let's move on to the Hart Trophy. This is given out to the league MVP. Uh, Austin Matthews won it last year on the strength of his 60-goal season. 
but he is the second choice. Uh, McDavid is, is the favorite plus two fifty. Then it's Matthews five to one dry sidle plus eight fifty. Uh, Nathan McKinnon, 12 to one Kirill Kaprizov 14 to one as is Kale McCarr. Uh, and then you get to the twenties and thirties. And this is a market where it kind of is cyclical. You'll see like Chris Pronger, I think is the last defenseman to win it. That was a long time ago. We haven't had a goalie win it since Carey Price, I believe, in 2014. There's only been four since uh, 1997. Dominic Koscik won twice in a row in 97, 98. So, uh, and then Jose Theodore won in 2002. So Price is the only goalie to win between 2002 and now. But I do think a narrative started to develop last year was around Shesterkin, where people were wondering, should we start considering goaltenders for this award more than we do? And I think there are two beneficiaries to that, both of whom we've already touched on a little bit. Ilya Sorokin on the Islanders, he's 8-1 to one to win the Vezina at most shops. If he does have a Vezina season, that means he's already beat out Shesterkin, he's beat out Vasilevsky, he's beat out Saro. So he's putting up great numbers. And if he does have that kind of season, it does mean the Islanders will probably make the playoffs. We know that you most likely need to make the playoffs to be part of this, uh, the voting for this award. So 125 to one out there on Sorokin, I think is a better bet than the eight to one on the Vezina. So what I would say is if you're going to bet him to win the Vezina, just go ahead and and take the risk on to win the heart. And then the other guy is Thatcher Demko, 201. Uh, and I know that Shesterkin was lights out last season and still didn't win the award. Uh, he had a generational season and, and that's a little discouraging for betting goalies in this market. However, I do think what he did was at least put goalies back on the map for it. So if we see McDavid or Matthews either get hurt or, you know, just not have their usual up to their, cause they've set the expectation for their seasons already. So like if they don't match it, people could just be down on them just relatively speaking. So long shots for a reason, goalies tend not to, to win the award. They tend not to even pop up on uh, the ballot or the, uh, the, the nominee list. So, but those are my two goalies that I like. Uh, I'll touch on another player there, but Nick, you have a guy you like towards the top of the board. Yeah, for this one, I'm seeing value with Kale McCarr. I like him at 15 to 1. Uh, those same narratives that you were talking about will work against him a little bit, but it was clear in the playoffs we saw he is right there with the very top players in the world. He won the con Smythe. He, in the head-to-head matchup with McDavid, it drew a lot of attention for how well he played in that series. And I think heading one year further into his true prime, like I touched on earlier, he could really pop off. And I think we could see him hang around in this race. So I think that number is just a little too long. I, I truly think he is one of the very best handful of players in the world this year. So I think 15 to one is just a little long for a guy who I, I really think is going to keep progressing. And if everything everyone knows about Kale McCart, no one says a bad word about him. His attitude is amazing. His work ethic is, is super good. So I don't, I'm not concerned. He's the kind of guy who came into a, a cup win and he's going to have a hangover at, you know, entering the season, anything like that. He's going to be ready to go. And I really think he's going to be very, very dominant this season. And and there was a narrative kind of that popped up during the playoffs, which is, yeah, he's, he's going to win the con Smythe. The heart trophy is, is not too far uh, in, in the future for McCarr. So he's already on, on the radar. He will be contending with like McKinnon on his own team. That is a, a little concerning, but I think if I had to pick someone near the top, it, it would be McCarr as well. One skater I like before I pass it to you, Pete, we touched on him, mentioned him in passing. Uh, Nikolai Ehlers, he's 300 to one. He's going to play at the top of that lineup. He's going to play with Kyle Connor, who scores buckets of goals. So the, the top six is good enough where he's going to basically just he already has like a floor of like 60 points. 
Uh, his ceiling, I think, could be like what Jonathan Uberdo did last year uh, or, or or Johnny Gaudreau. Like he, he's such a good facilitator, such a good mover um, that I could see him just producing his way into the conversation. Whether he will win it or not, he's 300 to 1 for, for a reason is a whole other story. But of the guys in the, in the deep, deep part of the board, I really like Ehlers, a huge payday, 300 to 1. What do you have for us, Pete? Yeah, I wouldn't – that line I talked about earlier with Ehlers, Shifley – and Kyle Connor, I wouldn't be surprised to see if they all played together all year, like one or both, one or two of those guys have a hundred plus points. So I do think the ceiling's super high. Kyle Connor was up in the nineties last year. He was second in even strength goals behind Matthews. So, you know, that's another guy to consider for Rocket Richard. It's another guy to consider if Winnipeg has a bounce back. Uh, Connor Hellebuck is another guy that puts that team on his shoulders. But again, I think the Jets, generally speaking, get overlooked from an awards standpoint for some reason, regardless of uh, how they finish. So they have a ton of valuable players, but I, I don't know that they're going to definitely make that happen. We'll see. I think the Makar thing is real. He has 95 to 100 point capability. If Kale McCarr were to go out there and score 100 points as a defenseman, none of us would be surprised, and he would probably be become the front runner, right, at, in the process of that happening. So I think you guys are onto something with that for sure. And then uh, you know, don't forget about like Sidney Crosby. I think he continues to will the Penguins. He was on a great point pace last year. He's another guy that could venture up into the hundreds very easily. He's done it a bunch of times in his career. So, um, and I feel like the Penguins are still in that win now mentality, still very strong, um, picking them to make the playoffs this year. So, um, and then um, Kirill Kaprizov is another guy, like he's a one man show, I feel like for the wild. So if he scores a hundred plus points again, and, takes another big step forward from last year, taking a big step forward from his rookie season, uh, his trajectory super high. And then keep an eye on like some of the big offseason movers, Jonathan Huberto um, with all the losses in Calgary with Gaudreau and Kachuk. If Huberto goes in there and replicates what he did in Florida somehow, he could be like the savior. You know, he saved saving the franchise by uh, signing on with them for eight years probably. So uh, that's a cool storyline. Same with Johnny Hockey. If the Jackets make the playoffs, I feel like Johnny Hockey will be among the Hart Trophy contenders. Yeah, the the Johnny Hockey odds are kind of like the Coach of the Year odds correlated to whether or not the the, the Jackets make uh, the playoffs. All right, uh, that'll do it for for this episode of Line Change. Uh, we thank Pete Jensen for joining us for this one. Once again, you can listen to him on the Fantasy on Ice podcast via the NHL. Sometimes I pop on there as well to give out some Jack Adams winners and losers. But until then, you're stuck with Nick and I. We will be back for another season preview episode next week where we will dive into all 32 teams. And you, of course, can go back and listen to our first preview episode where we gave out our favorite team level future bets. So for Nick Martin, for Pete Jensen, I'm Michael Leboff, wishing you the best of luck.